So if you could change one thing about your past, what would it be? We all have regrets, those of us that have lived very long. We all have things that we say, I wish I could go back and do that again. Here's the good news. Here's what the resurrection means. Here's what it means to be a witnessing church. Is that God can redeem your failures. My belief is, and informed by Scripture, is that God only uses broken people. If you haven't been broken, you just haven't lived very long. Because life's going to break us all. Sometimes people get stuck with failure. I've dealt with dozens of people over the years that they have an episode. They have a decision. They have something that happened to them or something they did themselves. And they get stuck there. And they don't allow God to even... They will not allow God to redeem that failure. I guarantee you in the life of Peter, if he could go back and do it again, he would change denying Jesus. So turn with me to Luke chapter 22. We're going to start there. We're going to get into Acts here in a moment. But um, Peter, you know, was one of the first disciples called by Jesus. Peter was uh, impetuous. He was uh, full of himself, arrogant, uh, reactionary, and uh, there were good qualities in that. Uh, He was one of the first ones to recognize, uh, to confess Jesus as the Christ in Matthew chapter 16. Who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. A lot of good qualities about Peter, but Peter was so full of himself that God had to break him before he could use him mightily. I've known a lot of preachers over the years, and all of the good ones that I know have been broken. So as your search committee is out looking for a pastor, don't expect somebody perfect. There's nobody perfect. Uh, The good pastors, and and, and there are some that, uh, that I don't think are very effective. I think the ones that are effective are people that speak out of their own experience of the grace and mercy of God. I have a lot of pastor friends. In fact, I don't have any normal friends. And I would consider Dean a friend. So, Right, Catherine? I mean, it's, you know. But surely, I, I, have, I have about 10 really good male friends. And all of them have been broken. Some of them right here in the Bowling Green community that I'm really good friends with that I could call on and they would be there with me in a, in a, in a, in a flash. But what we share is the fact that God broke us at some point in the past and then put us back together. It was in the process of redeeming us. He, he has restored us, if you will. So in Luke chapter 22, we've, we've, Jesus has has told the disciples many times he's going to go to a cross, he's going to die, um, he's, and then the third day he's going to come forth alive. 
So he, he brings them together for what we call the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper. And it's this uh, very somber moment. And, uh, but at the end of it, Judas has gone out to betray Jesus. And here's Peter and the rest of the disciples. And, and so Jesus singles out Peter. Now when he called him, when he called Peter for being a fisherman, his name was Simon, son of John. Um, so uh, Jesus later would, would change his name. And in John, uh, John chapter 1, we're told that he changed his name to Peter. You'll be Peter. You're going to be Peter. You're not Peter yet. It means rock or a, a chip off the big rock. It, 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 Petros is the, is the Greek word. And so Jesus saw in Peter what he could be, but he wasn't there yet. There was still a lot of Simon in him. And the old way, the flesh, if you will, as, as Paul uses that term over and over again in his writings. So in verse 31 of, of Luke chapter 22, Jesus singles him out. Simon, Simon, he said, watch out, look out, be aware, be on guard. Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. See, anytime you're following Jesus, don't let anybody deceive you. Anytime you're following Jesus, you're going to be sifted. You're going to be tested. You're going to be tried. There's going to be difficulty. You're always, we're always going upstream against the culture, always. It's been from the very beginning. It's always, that we're always going against headwind. Jesus reminded, he warned Peter, you're going to, you're, you're going to go through his testing. That's what it was. But, then, but look at verse 32, and here, here's the grace of the good, good father. But I have prayed for you. That your faith may not fail, and you, when, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. In other words, you're going to fail me, but I'm going to use failure to strengthen you, to refine you, to make you better, to prepare you for what's coming. And when you've turned back to me, don't waste your failure. Well, Peter didn't listen. Listen to what he says. Lord, he said... I'm ready to go both with you both to prison and to death. In other words, I'm good. I got this. You know, this, is a, this is a two thumbs up. Not me. Hey, you know who you're talking to? I'm Peter here. Here. I'm, I'm the dude. I got this. And boy, I tell you, anytime I've been around a pastor that was the dude, he's in trouble. Anytime you think you're above it, Anytime you think you're immune, you're in trouble. I talked to pastors all, all across this convention, and as part of what I did for 12 years at Lifeway was talk to them about guarding themselves, guarding their heart, guarding their family, guarding their mind, what they see, what they read, where they go, who they're with. Because Satan's trying to sift all of us, he wants to confuse us and and, 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 and he, he wants us to live on the wrong side of the cross. He, he, he wants us to live on the failure side. And Peter said, I'm good. And so Jesus said, I tell you, Peter. He does call him Peter in this first time. First it was Simon, and now he said, 
I'll tell you, Peter, and he said, you, you, you think you're good? I'm going to tell you before the, listen to what he says. The rooster will not crow today until you deny three times that you know me. He told him ahead of time he was going to fail. He did it anyway. Why? Because he was so full of himself. He was so sure of himself. He, he thought he had it all together. I'm telling you, if we got it all together, then the cross is for nothing. The resurrection doesn't mean anything. If, if you and I are good, if we don't need anything, if we don't need anybody, if we don't need God, if we don't need to be redeemed, then, then, then why are we here? It's because we're broken, sinful people. Because we're self-centered people. Because there's too many times in our lives we've done this. We're good. I got this. Got this. And Jesus said right then, you need to know, that's, that's the temptation of Satan. To think that you don't need God. And so what happened was, it, it, it just, just as Jesus said. We get down here to uh, verse 54. They seized him, that is Jesus, led him away and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, and Peter sat among them. John's gospel tells us that they laid, in John chapter 18, says they laid a charcoal fire. Now, that's significant. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. They laid a fire, and Peter was warming himself among the fire. And when a servant saw him sitting in the firelight and looked directly at him, she said, this man was with him too, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. That's one. A little while later, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them too. Man, I'm not, Peter said. That's two. You'd think Peter could count. You would think he would say, oh, I already done that twice. Uh, Jesus said three times, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But he was so full of himself and afraid, overwhelmed, bewildered. Jesus had been arrested. He had gone from this Lord's Supper time, and he'd all these miracles he'd seen, and now he'd seen Jesus taken away. He's overwhelmed. He's bewildered. He said, about an hour later, another kept insisting, this man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Terrible. Broken. Failure. Had done just exactly had what Jesus had said. But here's the good news of the gospel. Here's the good news of the resurrection. <laughs> failure is not God's final word. It's just not. If that was true, then the cross and the resurrection don't mean anything. See, some of us, some of you listening and some of you here today are living on the wrong side of the cross. You're living on the dead side, on the failure side of the cross. And you, you've, you've, you've made bad decisions. You've had, you've had decisions imposed upon you. You, you. You've done some things that you're not proud of. You, you're still living with shame and guilt. And it, there's nothing wrong with shame and guilt as long as you don't live there forever. Shame and guilt will drive you to your knees and drive you to God and drive you to repentance. We leave Peter here. We leave Peter at the end of, uh, of, of this episode, and he's a broken man. But Jesus saw beyond his brokenness, and he sees beyond yours as well. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 2, 
In Acts chapter 1, you know, the Jesus gives them a, gives an early church, and we'll talk more about this next week. He gives the church their marching orders. They're to go and be witnesses. And uh, a witness is someone who can, can uh, is something, someone who has experienced something for themselves. They've seen it themselves. It's not hearsay. It's not secondhand. It's a witness is a firsthand person. I've seen this for myself. I saw it myself. And so Jesus, the risen Christ, has appeared to them with many convincing proofs for 40 days. And then at the end of those 40 days, he's getting ready to ascend back to the Father, and he gives the church the marching orders. You shall be my witnesses, verse 7. It's not for you to know the times or the periods, Acts chapter 1. Uh, The Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he gives them these marching orders. They're to be witnesses. And don't you know, Paul was, Peter was one of those. And, and so the Holy Spirit did fall upon them in Acts chapter 2. And, and they, they, their whole lives were changed. And then Peter stands up <clears throat> and gives his first sermon. And he, and, he, and he quotes the, the prophet Joel, and then verse, verse 22, it says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. This is Peter now. The Peter who has failed Jesus, who is broken, he stands and preaches the first sermon of the early church. Jesus, this, this Jesus, this present reality Jesus, this living Christ, <laughs> this Jesus the Nazarene was a man pointed out, to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. He's talking to the very people that cried out for Jesus to be crucified. He's offering them forgiveness. Now, that's a gracious God. That's a good, good father. That will offer forgiveness to people that killed his son. We talked last week. Who killed Jesus? You and I did. We nailed Jesus to a cross. It was us. It was our sin. He said, but God raised him up, ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then he says in verse 32, God has resurrected this Jesus, this present reality Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since... He's been exalted to the right hand of God and received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. He has poured out what you both see and hear. Therefore, verse verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when they heard it, they said, they were pierced to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? And Peter said, Repent. Repent. Why? Because that's what he had done. See, what happened between the end of this episode, Luke 22, where Peter failed Jesus? What happened between then and now? What happened was that Peter met the risen Christ. Now let's turn to to John's gospel. And John tells us the story. We're told that in, in John's gospel that Jesus, the resurrected Christ, 
had appeared to the women, and the women had gone and told the disciples, and, and, and Peter and John had, had run to the, to the tomb and seen it for themselves. They had seen the empty tomb, and they had seen the, the burial clothes as if Jesus had just vanished. The, the, the turban around his head was still there, and the shroud around his body was still there, and yet the body was gone, and Peter looked in, and John looked in, and it says they believed, but yet they weren't changed. At least Peter wasn't changed. Why do we know that? Well, Jesus appeared to them. He came to them in the upper room and, 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 and showed himself to them and, and said to them, Peace be to you, and, uh, and as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But one of the twelve, Thomas the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my finger in the mark of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will never believe. And eight days later, what a gracious God we have. Eight days later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God. And Peter saw all that. But it wasn't enough. You see, it's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to believe in the resurrection. You, you, you've got to come to know Him. You, you've got to experience His redemption yourself. And the only way that happens is when you admit you're broken. When you're a sinner. You see, when these people heard the preaching of Peter, when they heard what had happened, that they'd crucified Jesus and that He was alive and, 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 that, and, and that He had filled these people with the Holy Spirit and their lives were changed, they said, what must we do? And Peter said, you've got to repent. And that's part of brokenness. Repentance means admitting that you're a sinner, that you're lost, that you have no hope without God, that you cannot, that you're not good. So in John chapter 20, Peter saw all that. He, the risen Christ came to him and you know, spoke truth to them, told him he's going to send them out. Thomas wasn't with them. Eight days later, Jesus shows up. How do we know Peter wasn't changed yet? When we get to John chapter 21, here's what it says. After this, verse 1, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana, Galilee, Zebedee's sons, James and John, and two others of the disciples were together, and Peter said, I'm going fishing. So how do we know Peter hasn't changed yet? How do we know he hasn't been redeemed yet? How do we know he hasn't been restored because he wants to go back to his old way of life? Jesus had called him from fishing for fish to fish for men. And you don't, you know, in Peter's mind, he thought, I have failed so miserably, Jesus can never use me. So he was just going back home. And he, he believed in the resurrection. But his life was not yet changed. You see, here's, here's what the resurrection means. That God doesn't want you to live in failure. He wants to redeem that failure. 
He wants to use the failure to his good and his glory, if you'll let him. One of the things I've, I've been privileged to do over the years because of my alcoholic background, I've helped dozens of alcoholics and drug addicts to get free in Christ. And what I tell them is don't hide it. Don't hide it. You don't, you don't want to brag about it. I, I don't brag about it in my, in my life. But, but I don't ever forget the fact that God redeemed me from the pit of hell. And so whatever, whatever it has been for you, Sometimes it's marriage failure. Sometimes it's financial failure. Sometimes it's just really bad decisions. You know, some of us, it's hard to coach stupid. I mean, you're, you know, have you ever met anybody just stupid, just kept making stupid decisions? Hello. Some of you got kids and grandkids like that, right? You think it's as hard to coach stupid. But God can overcome even stupid if we'll let him. Because we're all stupid in our own ways, in some ways. Donnie, you're not stupid. You're, you're, you're a bright guy. I can see in your marriage, you're a sharp guy. But, but God wants to take our brokenness, and he wants to redeem it. He told Peter, once you have turned, strengthen your brothers. In other words, use your failure to help other people. Cut them some slack. You see, some of you have got loved ones that you're expecting to be perfect. You've got children or a spouse that has done something wrong. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it's an in-law or an outlaw or somebody in your family that has failed in some way. And, and, and you want to continue to hold it against them. Well, all you've got to do is read about Peter. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to fail me, but I want you to know I've prayed for you. So what do we do with folks like we pray for them? We pray that God will use their brokenness to redeem them to see the light. Right? Hello. Are y'all getting this? Dave, you getting this? Are you awake? All right. Good. Peter had not yet got it. And he, didn't, he, didn't, he thought Jesus was done with him. So I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I was doing. But here's the good news. Jesus was waiting on him. Jesus was waiting on him. I was driving back to Lexington one night in my 1965 Chevelle. And I was in college at University of Kentucky. I was, uh, I was a junior in a school of engineering. And I had a cooler in the back seat of my car full of Stroh's beer. And I, I'd, I'd been drinking all day. Shouldn't have been on the road. Just awful. And I was, I had the windows down. It was a hot day. It was the beginning of school year. And I was driving back to Lexington. And, and uh, I, I, I had a, a Stroh's beer open. And, and I was tuning the radio to try to find a station. And the radio station stopped on a, on a station that had Billy Graham. I don't even know what state. I think I was in Stanford. That's where I was. And uh, the radio station stopped on Billy Graham, and Billy Graham was preaching, and all of a sudden, the inside of my Chevy got cold. And the Holy Spirit filled the inside of the car. And the Holy Spirit said, that's what I want you to do right there. And I, I said out loud, What? 
said, I want you to be a preacher. And I took my fist and I hit the dash of my car and said, I'll never do it. I'll never do it. And the coldness just left. But I'm going to tell you the good news was God didn't leave me. I was 19, maybe 20. It's probably 20. And God kept after me. He kept pursuing me. And one day, in February of 1976, he was waiting on me. <laughs> and that day, when I was finally broken, sick and tired of waking up sick and tired, Jesus was waiting on me. And when I got on my knees and asked God to change my life, he was right there. And he did. But I had to be willing. You know what I'm saying? I was ready. I've met people that weren't ready. I've met two people that, we're, I'm good. I'm good. But you're never going to get help as long as you're good. You see, Peter had to be totally broken. And even though he'd met, he'd met he, he believed in Jesus. And seen the, the tomb and, you know, all that stuff. Seen the nail prints and all that kind of stuff. He, he, still, he still had not been restored <laughs> because he, 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 he thought he was beyond it. But when we come to John 21, Peter's going fishing. So he goes back fishing and, and, and what he finds out is Jesus is waiting on him. They go out fishing at night. They don't catch anything. And, and Jesus meets them. He asks them a question. Have you caught any fish? They said, no, we haven't caught anything. He said, put the net on the other side of the boat. And they do, and they catch all these fish. Well, they come to realize that it's Jesus. So Peter gets out of the boat and comes to shore, and Jesus is waiting on him on the shore. He's waiting there. And he's laid a, listen, he's laid a charcoal fire. Don't you know every morning when Peter got up, and in, we, we heard this in Jerusalem, and we certainly heard it outside the environs of Jerusalem, out in Bethlehem and even north in, in Galilee, we, we heard roosters crowing. We got up one, I got up one morning early in Jerusalem and heard a rooster crow in Jerusalem. Don't you know every time Peter heard a rooster crow, he remembered his failure? Don't you know every time he smelled a charcoal fire, he remembered his failure? <laughs> well, God is in the business of redeeming all of our bad memories. See, our problems is we get stuck in these ruts. And our past overshadows our present. We get stuck. We get stuck in the past. And we, we, we're in this loop. And we think we're making progress. And then the old, old Satan will bring up. You, you, you remember? You know, you remember? You remember all that? And, and, and it's all true. But what God wants to do is change our memories. <laughs> he wants to redeem them. He, he wants to change the, the, the memories from the smells. He wants to change the memories from our failure. And that's what he did with Peter. He was waiting on Peter. He laid his charcoal fire and he had some fish on it. And you, you can see the hands of Jesus. And, and, and so, so Jesus uses fire and a charcoal fire and he uses food and he uses hands. He uses part of his redemption and he says to Peter, listen to what he says to him. He says to him, uh, when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said, he asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? These what? Well, it could have been the, the men he was with, but it could have been these memories. Do you love me more than your past? Do you love me more than fishing? 
do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs, he said, the second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Twice. Jesus could have stopped right there, couldn't he? But he wanted, the, he wanted the redemption to be complete. And he says to him the third time. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved, and then he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. <laughs> and, and it was a confession. Lord, you know everything about me. You know I failed you, but I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. In other words, I ain't done with you yet, son. <laughs> I love you, and I got a great plan for your life. I had every excuse in the world not to be a preacher, and I, I still got people in Somerset that think those excuses were valid. You know, are you still preaching? I said, I'm... I'm still preaching. I had a woman boy say, man, if that can happen to you, it can happen to anybody. You know, I mean, it's, they're still amazed. It's, I go back home, they're still shocked. I'm still shocked every time I stand to preach. But I'm telling you, God is a gracious God. And here's the good news. Peter was restored. Stood and preached his first sermon. 3,000 people got saved. <laughs> you see, if you give your life to the Lord, then let him use your failure or your the junk that you got, this, this junk you're hauling around. If you just bring him your junk, then what God will do, you, you don't know what God's going to do. You don't know that through you that, that God may, not, may, may raise up the next Billy Graham. He may raise up uh, uh, some great missionary uh, to, to, to send around the world. We may have another Annie Armstrong or Lottie Moon or somebody that, that, that literally has changed the world. So don't shortchange God. Just bring your life to Him just like you are. <laughs> when I was evangelism director in, in Kentucky, I, uh, I traveled the state for seven years. And <laughs> I was going to do some training in Hopkinsville on a Saturday night. And I, I got... I went to Henderson early to watch a UK basketball game with some of my friends there in Henderson. And so I had some time between when I was teaching that night. And I, I headed after the ball game. I headed south and stopped in Hanson, Kentucky, just north of Madisonville, this little outlet mall. It's, it's not there anymore. But, uh, and I thought, well, I've got some time. And they had this Lee's Jeans outlet. And, and I was looking for a pair of blue jeans. Now, I'm tight. I don't... I don't you know, I, I, I like bargains. You know, I like to buy bargains. And so I stopped at this Lee's Jeans outlet, and I walked in the store. No kidding, on the back wall, there was this big sign that said Clarence. Now, that's my favorite guy. I love Clarence. Y'all know Clarence? I love Clarence. Any play I see Clarence, I'm attracted. Even I go into Walmart, it'll say Clarence, and I'll say, let's go meet Clarence, you know. I'm trying to teach my granddaughters about Clarence, and they don't seem to get that deal, but Anyway, I walked in the back of the store, and there was these round racks of jeans. And uh, I found my size, and, and uh, on the top, they were $8. I thought, man, that's, that's my kind of price right there. And then when I, when I, when I picked the jeans up, they had, a little, they had a little stamp on them that said, as is. <laughs> and so I'm looking at the stamp, and the Holy Spirit bumps me, speaks to me in the strangest places. I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit bumped me, and he said, Dan, Dan, there's preaching in them jeans. I said, speak to me, Spirit. He said, look, look at that as is. He said, Dan, everybody that comes to me has to come as is. 
And then he said, look closer. So I flipped it over, and there was a, another sticker on the back that said, slightly irregular. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, everybody that comes to me has to come as is, and everybody is slightly irregular. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you are slightly irregular. I've met some of you, and you are really irregular. I mean, hello. We're all weird, aren't we, in our own way. But the Holy Spirit said, Dan, everybody has to come to me as is, and everybody is slightly irregular. He said, now look closer. And I got to look into some of those jeans, a pair I bought, there wasn't nothing wrong with them. Some of them had holes in them and zippers broke. They'd sell for $150 at Dillard's today, you know what I'm saying? My daughter wears them things that are cut all the way down. I thought my mother would not let me out of the house with those things on. You know what I'm saying? She'd think I looked like some poor orphan kid, you know. But anyway, uh, he said, Dan, some people don't look like they got anything wrong with them, but everybody has to come as is, and everybody is slightly irregular. I'm telling you, the good news of the gospel is you can come just like you are. Hello, just as I am without one plea. You can come just like you don't have to clean it up. You don't, have to, you don't have to stop this. You don't have to quit that. You don't have to start that. You just got to come like you are. And what Jesus will do is he will redeem you. He will restore you. And he will redirect your life like he did Peter. One more story and I'm done. Uh, our daughter Christy went to, uh, she turned 40 this week. I mean, my my wife doesn't look old enough to have a 40-year-old. I'm telling you, she's young looking. But we got a daughter 40 years old. Lord have mercy. Uh, you know, I've seen people my age that got face and wore out two bodies. You know, I mean, it's, it's terrible. Uh, but anyway, she went to Georgetown to college. And uh, we were living in Louisville. And she'd come home on the weekends periodically. And you know what kids do when they come home. They, they want to sleep, right, and uh, get their laundry done, uh, eat, and get more money. And you can't have enough money. So uh, she got her a good 12 hours in, and she got up, and she, she and her mother uh, decided they were going to go to Women's Dillard's shopping. Well, well, I knew what shopping meant. They were going to go feeling. <laughs> you know, you know? Shopping to me is you go conquer the store. You know, you know what you want. You go in, you get it at the lowest price, and you get it as quickly as possible. Well, they have this spiritual gift of shopping. It's, you know... It's an experience, right? And uh, some of you women have that. Some of you men have it, probably. But I said, I, I mean, Christy said, well, go with us, Dad. And I thought, I mean, that wasn't even on my list. That was a negative five. I thought, I'm going to work in the yard. And she said, no, Daddy, I'm not very, uh, here in very long. Come on, go with us. So I took me a golf magazine. And I, we got to Women's Dillard's, true story. And they said, uh, sit here in the shoe department. Dad, they got chairs. So I sat there, and I read my golf magazine, 30 minutes. I'm thinking, they're done. Well, they hadn't got out of the shoes yet, you know. <laughs> I went and found them, and they, they said, oh, go back. We ain't even got where we're going yet. We's going to the purses, you know. And Christy said, go back and sit down. So I made a circle. And went by this uh, this uh, cosmetic section called Origins. And there was a chalkboard sign. Here's what it had written on it. Come inside and find out how to right yesterday's wrongs. Take care of today and make a plan for tomorrow. I thought, Lord have mercy, what are they selling? So I walked inside, walked up the counter, and I said, what's your sign about? And that woman said, oh, that's an ad for a skin rejuvenation treatment. I said, give me a big bottle. <laughs> I need some of that. And as I was walking out, the Holy Spirit bumped me again. 
He said, Dan, there's preaching in that sign. I said, speak to me, Spirit. He said, Dan, I got a soul rejuvenation treatment, and it's called salvation. And people that come to the cross, I will right yesterday's wrongs. I'll take care of today, and I'll make a plan for tomorrow. I don't know what your problems are, but I'm telling you, when you come to Jesus, He will redeem you, He will restore you, and He will redirect your life into a glorious future if you'll let Him. The question is, are you willing? Don't let your failure be God's final word because the cross and the resurrection tells us that life is beyond death, that there is life beyond your failure. And if you'll let Him, He wants to even use your failure to His honor and glory. And that's our prayer today as we stand to our feet. Lord Jesus, we pray for those listening online. We pray, God, we know there's people listening who have had failure in their lives. Some of them living in, in uh, depression, despair, just now. Even people here in this place. Lord, help us to know that the resurrection brings hope and life. That we have a good, good Father. And we can sing hallelujah. Because He lives, we can face tomorrow. Lord, thank You for redeeming my life, for restoring me redirecting me into the glorious future you've had prepared. And I pray that for every person within my hearing. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love to talk to you about that today.